The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 327, broadcasting live Thursday, December 10th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, pro wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling show airs every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, and on Thursday nights, we switch gears and jump into gaming and entertainment. You can watch the live video stream or the live or listen to the live audio stream by heading over to mtrlive.com, and you'll be able to access the high-quality video stream, participate in the show chat, and also listen to high-quality audio via Mixler. We are also currently simulcasting via Restream to StreamUp, Vaughn Live, Twitch, and uh, YouTube Live as well. So a couple different places that you're able to watch the show in the comfort of your own home. Uh, Many people have been consuming the show via Twitch. Uh, Shout out to those guys that have been checking the show out there. Um, Also on YouTube Live as well. As for participating in the show, like I said, we got a live chat at mtrlive.com. You can also use our call-in number, 347-324-3541. Just press option 1, and Slick will queue you up to participate in tonight's show. You can also listen to that audio feed on through the call-in number. Just don't hit option 1. And last but not least, you can download the Mixler app, and you can listen to the show that way as well. Just punch in My Take Radio, and you'll be able to access the show on your mobile device. All right, so good to be back. Uh, nice little month-long hiatus. Uh, definitely was good and bad to a degree. Uh, good, obviously, because it allowed us to refocus our energies on some other things. Uh, allowed me to spend some time with my family, do some cool stuff, and also work on some really exciting things for RageWorks. So with that said, I want to get into a couple of announcements, and we're going to jump into tonight's gaming and entertainment segments. First and foremost, uh, last night's MMA and wrestling show had its fair share of problems. Our blog talk radio 
switchboard wasn't working. Uh, people couldn't call in, which sucked. Part of the, uh, the thing that, um, you know, one of those things that happens once in a while. And, you know, of course, it had to happen when I came up and, uh, you know, when I came back. And the other thing was that we were having our fair share of video issues, which I don't know if it's a byproduct of using the current video streaming program that we're using, or maybe it's XSplit or Open Broadcaster or Wirecast. You know, those are other solutions people have recommended. I know Slick mentioned Open Broadcaster to me. I downloaded it. Not sure if it's something that'll work. Uh, currently using ManyCam once again. Um, I was using XSplit for a little bit, and it was working well, but yesterday it had its fair share of problems, of which there were many that really annoyed me. Uh, first and foremost, we had a couple of video freezes, which made the pretty much the video for last night worthless. Uh, last night's show will be uploaded in audio format only, and for those of you that, li- that watch on YouTube... You're just going to get the stationary image, unfortunately. Uh, Something we are definitely hoping to remedy in the new year. Um, We definitely bumped up our internet connection, so I'm not sure why there are issues with the video feed, but we're going to definitely look into that, like I said, in the new year. In addition to that, I did want to let you guys know our broadcasting schedule. As of right now, we are doing two shows, of course, this week with this show being the second next week, we're doing our year end wrap up special for both MMA and wrestling. And of course, gaming and entertainment, Uh, a little bit more free flowing next week. Not too much in terms of a lot of news that I'm going to try and get into. I definitely want to talk about, you know, some of the great games of 2015, some of the great movies, uh, some of for the wrestling fans, the the great matches uh, for the MMA fans, their favorite fighters, for 2015 their favorite fights you know a lot of the year-end stuff after that time we will take off for the holiday season and we will be back on january 13th now you're probably wondering why it's not uh january 6th and 7th uh the reason for that is that we are trying to move the show into a new studio and the goal is to jump into 2016 with a brand new setup to deliver not only more you know more content better shows and of course tons of other stuff for the channel but i think it's also going to allow us to do a couple of things that we haven't been able to execute thus far uh probably going to try and do some shows with slick locally uh maybe once we get everything set up we'll be able to do some stuff in studio uh hopefully that's the plan for 2016 as i mentioned last night uh we are also going to be renaming the my take radio feed on itunes stitcher and tune in radio uh starting in january probably by the time we go on air it will be the rageworks network Uh, my take radio will still be on that feed as will all our other shows but given the issues with people trying to find all the other shows it would be fitting to just rename it the rageworks network so be on the lookout for that on itunes stitcher Tune in radio and Google Play Music in 2016 just to make everything nice and cohesive, everything running smoothly, and all the names being the same across the board. As I said, this does not change my take radio, MTR behind the mic, beyond the mic, 
The Buried Show, TRSS, and Black is the New Black. All those shows will continue to have uh, a presence on that main feed. And as always, you can get any of the episodes for any of those shows at RageWorks.net. So those are some of the developments for 2016. Um, Like I said, next week's shows will be the last shows for 2015 before the holiday break. We'll be back second week of January, brand new studio, tons of other cool surprises that I'm not going to give away on air. And um, just keep it locked to RageWorks.net and also our YouTube channels, official RageWorks and My Take Radio TV for all the other developments. Uh, A couple of things I did want to mention, got some product reviews in the hopper, including a brand new LG phone that we are reviewing in partnership with our friends at Royal Flush Magazine. Uh, This Huawei smartwatch, which hopefully I will have completed this week after I get some video edited. And also a really, really awesome monitor from games who really stepped it up with this piece of tech that we're messing around with. I actually used that monitor as our third monitor for the show chat yesterday. Worked out very well. I was running a three-monitor setup. For those of you that are familiar with my setup, I usually run dual screen, but I never realized that having a third screen was as effective as I thought it would be. On the contrary, using the third screen for the chat and allowing the video feed on one monitor and the switchboard on another just made things run very smoothly. Of course, the switchboard yesterday didn't work, but definitely an awesome piece of tech. Um, You never realize, especially when when you're doing this type of stuff, whether it's streaming um, on YouTube or, uh, you know, streaming on Twitch, whatever the case may be, that hardware is very, very, very crucial. I mean, you could Mickey Mouse and and build things and try and make things work in a in a in a twisted fashion but sometimes you got to you got to drop a couple of bucks to make things work effectively i mean before we went into the holiday break we were having some issues with some with our sound cards and all our stuff and you know we made some improvements both on the sound card and on the mixer side just to give us more capabilities uh, in 2016 we're going to have some new cameras we're probably going to hopefully be streaming in 1080p in January. That is uh, one of my one of my bucket list items. Uh, HD streams, um, and also I know we've debated it and we've been talking about it, but we may we may be doing a couple of more shows a week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, something we're going to be trying out. Uh, definitely won't be as long form as the regular episodes of MTR, but I think that it's going to be something that we're going to experiment with in the new year. So with that said, we're going to get into the gaming news of the week. We got tons of entertainment news. I know Slick is chomping at the bit to jump on air this week to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, Definitely want to find out how he fared for Black Friday, what games are on his radar, and, um, you know, all the gaming news of the week, of course, Slick and Danny covered our the video game the 2015 video game awards and Slick also covered the PlayStation experience sharing a lot of the trailers and a lot of that stuff so I definitely want to get his thoughts on it and of course share mine as well. So with that let's get into this week's show and get this ball rolling. <laughs> I may as well cue Slick up and bring him on board so we can get that ball rolling. 
Mr. Slick. What's up? Everything seems to be working. Let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't know. On the on my end, the video for some reason is like in high speed. Like you sound like a chipmunk. That's really weird. I mean, if anybody else is having issues with the video feed, let me know. Uh, maybe try a refresh. Let me know if that helps. But um, a couple but of things. I did that, but it didn't work. But I just paused it, so I'm good right now. There you go. So of course, it's been it's been a busy few weeks with uh my my on-air hiatus but because of it of course uh you've been very busy with all the latest and greatest gaming news um of course the video game awards came and went during my time off uh black friday thanksgiving you know all the fun stuff and um of course the playstation experience which i want to get into but i do i do want to backtrack a little bit to black friday and i want to talk about it because I felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, I felt that Black Friday for the gaming community outside of consoles was very underwhelming. You know, usually I message you or I hit you up and I go, Slick, I picked up, you know, three or four games. I didn't even have the juice to go and pick anything up. I really didn't. I didn't. There was nothing on my radar that made me really want to go and and deal with that. All I ended up doing was purchasing a, a decent amount of Blu-rays, which were heavily, heavily discounted. But on the gaming front, there really was nothing I wanted, which was odd because it breaks it breaks the streak that I've established over the last you know ten or so years of me always picking up at least three or four games on Black Friday. So with that, how'd you fare? Do you agree? And what'd you end up picking up, if anything? Uh. For Black Friday, honestly, I picked up a bunch of Transformers and some anime. I didn't really get any games. Right. Because I either already had the games I wanted or they weren't out yet. Because, as you know, right now I'm playing Just Cause, which didn't come out until last Tuesday. So that was a bust for Black Friday. And um, also... Xenoblade Chronicles X, which didn't come out until last Friday. Right, which is crazy because you would think December December's a time where there's so much traveling, so many things going on, that I always feel that game releases in December are always a very, very big gamble. Unless it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a five-star title that you know is going to sell out. I feel that the games that are kind of on the fringe, which people are heavily debating whether they're good or bad, are always going to suffer during the holiday season because there's so much going on, like I said, that it, it kind of gets lost. On top of the fact that now you're getting multiple mediums where content is flowing freely between Steam, you know, Xbox Live, PlayStation Plus, um, and of course physical titles, your 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 attention is spread fairly thin, in my opinion. I mean, I can agree, and with what you said a little while ago about December maybe being a bad month to release games, at least brand new games, I definitely agree with that because, um, tell me if you agree with me, when a, when a big game comes out, when you turn on your console or Steam or whatever, and you look at your friends list, it's like everybody's playing that one game, right? Yeah, usually. Like I said before, with, with um. Not so much with the Wii U, because it doesn't really show that, but Pretty much. with um, my PlayStation 4, I'm the only person on my list I see playing Just Cause 3. And to me, 
this seems like the type of game that everybody would jump on. Right. And we were talking but, about this. We were talking about that, not to cut you off before we went on air, um, you know, a couple a couple days ago, that it really should have been on more people's radar. But I do have to say that the marketing for that game was piss poor. I don't know. I, I try to disagree. I mean, it's not maybe not as big as some other things, but thinking about all the, the stuff that I put out that, that we got for it. Right. All the trailers they put out. They even released two two um mobile apps for it. I think they did a, a decent job of advertising it. You know what the thing is? I I feel that again, going back to what we were saying before, just in December, man, the focus isn't where it should be. You know what I mean? We got you know all, a lot of TV shows are winding down. People's focus is on you know some of the some of the bigger happenings of the holiday season. Amongst them, travel and. Uh, um, and number one with a bullet buying fucking gifts <laughs> so what what happens with that i feel is that people their attention is spread between what they got to pick up for everybody and yeah we're all going to pick up some stuff for ourselves but things fall through the cracks and a game like just cause three i feel that while it is a solid game and an enjoyable game it fell through the cracks i'm i'm seeing that to be the case and it, it's kind of sad because it's like, I don't want to compare it to GTA 5. I won't say it's, it's better or worse. Right. But if you just, like, one of the best things about GTA 5 is the huge, expansive world. Like, San Andreas is huge. Right. If anybody's familiar with just roughly the size of San Andreas and Grand Theft Auto 5, Just Cause 3 is more than 10 times larger than that. Right. That's how big the the playable world is in that, and the the um well, I want to say like the 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 ability to destroy things and just cause mass havoc is definitely higher than that in in Grand Theft Auto Five. Just to and again, I'm not comparing the games, but just seeing how how popular that game is, and then to see how it's, at least for the moment, Just Cause Three is doing pretty much nothing. Right. It's it's kind of it's kind of saddening in a way. Well, here's here's the thing. I, I I saw you know I saw your 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 stream and I I you know I I obviously have to check out all the stuff you put out, <laughs> good, bad, or otherwise. And um, the way I look at it is the game has a specific niche it caters to. I mean, if you enjoy stuff like Desperado, Dust Till Dawn, you know it definitely falls into that niche with a heavy dose of of GTA goodness, which is good. The only problem is that, like I said, you're you're taking a game that really looks like like a title that people should pick up, and you're not you're not being as aggressive as you should be. Like like I said, you know, they sent us a lot of assets, and there were a couple of commercials here and there. But you gotta look at the blitz in advertising for a game like GTA versus a game like Just Cause. Obviously. There's budgeting factors and things to consider, but when you're taking a game and you're putting it out during the holiday season, you 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 have to step your game up to make your game stick out for people to want to buy it. I mean, we're running around with wish lists from every website, or or you know buying guides from every website, including our very own, which you guys should check out. And um, the fact is that people they're they're just. It, the game just doesn't resonate because people aren't saying, yo, did you play Just Cause 3? Or, hey, have you checked that game out? 
there's there's not that same level of of just push. Like think about Call of Duty. We 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 have our own opinions on Call of Duty, but the fact is Call of Duty goes out of its way to make sure that you know that a new version of that game is out. Same could be said for Assassin's Creed. Going out of their way to ensure that people know that a new Assassin's Creed is out. Hell, even Super Mario Maker, which Nintendo surprised me, really stepped their game up. You're right, Dollar. Think about it, because when you look at just who's behind this game, right. it's Square Enix. Right. They definitely have the deep the pockets. money to, to um, promote this game further, yet they seem, seem to be spending more of their time promoting games that aren't even out. Right. Like they, they really didn't put any promotion into the Dragon Quest game that came out in, in um, October. Hell no, and you only and, told me about it, which is crazy. Which is really, I mean, I guess it's more understandable over here, but I mean, literally, in Japan, when a Dragon Quest game comes out... It's a big deal. The, um, the, no, the attendance rate at, at, at jobs drops because people <laughs> take vacations to play that shit. Of course. But it, literally, and... They're, they're busy promoting Final Fantasy fifteen, Final Fantasy seven, and Hitman. Yeah. And I'm like, these games don't come out till next year, but you got games coming out this year that you're really not promoting. Well, the thing the thing with that is that these companies look at these titles, and and, and this is what annoyed me with 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 regards to Just Cause three. You're on the third installment of the game. Clearly, people are buying this shit. So you would think that, hey, it's the third installment. There's a there's a fan base. There's people that have been asking for it. Let's let's, you know, put a couple of dollars in there and try and get some advertising done right. You get what I'm saying? Like, think about this. Madden. Madden is on its, you know, next installment already is in development. But you're still seeing commercials for Madden 2016. Still, regardless of whether football season is uh, you know, almost over or not, there are there are things that still work. It's like I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna go a little off the cuff to to give people some examples. Think about this: you when you go onto social media, how much advertising do you see disguised as regular content? A lot, right? More than I want to. Exactly. Now here's the thing: we are consuming content from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat which, by the way, Rageworks is on all those. But um, the fact is that when you're consuming that content, publishers are having to step their game up, and not not even just publishers, but companies, in order to reach people on the home court, where they are. And you would think that advertising on Facebook, which is pretty... I'm not going to say Facebook advertising is, is expensive, but it's not... And, and not dirt cheap, but it's accessible enough that you can reach a market of epic proportions. You can get super granular. And I'm going to go a little behind the scenes. We've taken a couple of our posts and a couple of our stuff, and we've made Facebook ads, and they've shown up on people's timelines, and people have reached out like, hey, man, I saw a little little, little ad for Rageworks. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and think about it. This is us who's, you know, a company that's, that's gr- you know, growing in progress. And we're reaching eyes and demographics without even spending the fraction of what a company has for an advertising budget you get what i'm saying especially with yep. facebook the let me let me tell you something and again going behind the scenes you can go into facebook 
if you're a company and you can drill down an ad to go to 35 to 45 year old single mothers in Paducah, Kentucky, who like to watch Days of Our Lives, Montel Williams, and are Republicans. I'm not kidding you. This is how granular we can fucking go. So if you're a company like Square Enix and you and you know that you have, you know, if the if the game has a fan page and you know that fan page already has its has X number of fans, then your job at that point should be to leverage every person that's on there and see if, hey, the same people that like Just Cause like Final Fantasy, the same people that like Final Fantasy like uh, X game and Y game. And all of a sudden, your advertising takes a life of its own. You mean to tell me that you can't put an awesome clip of, of, of you skydiving in the game onto a 15-second Instagram video? Are you fucking kidding me? You see what I'm saying? And again, I'm going a little inside. I'm giving people a, a little peek behind the curtain for, for Rageworks. But again, this is us. This is us and countless other sites and brands that are out there fighting for your eyeballs. And for a company that has deep pockets to not be pushing the game the way they should using the mediums that are accessible to them is ridiculous to me. Dead ass. Dead ass, dude. Because it's like you got the game. You're playing the game. You've told me nothing but great things about the game. Your review of the game was fucking stellar. Why aren't more people fucking with the game? Because nobody knows about it. And I'm serious. Nobody knows. Are they doing big launch parties or anything else? No. You get what I'm saying? I tried to I tried to stream it last week and had one person. There you go. And, and that's another thing too. I mean, even streaming, which you know is a separate market. Like I I read a uh, an article during my time off about streaming and about some of the the guys that are really really caking off making money. And we're talking about guys that started with you know a dinky camera. And are now shooting with like a red camera, which you know is a is a is a is a th- is over a grand. You know, some some in the five grand category because they're making the money to be able to do that, and the technology needs to move forward. The we've become we've become a, a society where we don't have to wait for a written review. We don't have to wait for uh, you know a site post. All it takes is you to go on. Hell, even if you go into Xbox Live right now. And you look at a game and you go broadcasts and you can see Twitch streams of the games and hell, you'll see a real person playing it and you'll say, damn, do I want to buy this or not? That's how crazy it's got, man. And that's what I mean that companies, the companies think that word of that, if they don't invest in word of mouth and leveraging the community that makes that buys their games, that they're just going to magically sell unless you're Madden, Call of Duty, you know, uncharted flagship hardcore titles you're you're gonna have to fight harder fact you're gonna have to do it well it's, it's like we always say you put the work in you get the results that that 100 percent with the work that that square enix didn't put enough work in i mean it's still possible to pick up after because as you were talking it, it hit me when you mentioned third installment grand theft auto 3 do you know when they started advertising that game after three Months after it released, they started advertising right. it. But that was and because they had they realized, holy shit, we got a ton of money here from a game. And hopefully, you know, Square Enix sees the same success. I mean, the only issue that I've had with um, 
just close the street personally, uh, you know, sometimes the low times can be a little bit annoying, and that's about it. There you go. And and, he, and here's the thing. While we're, we're looking at, you know, Black Friday and going into the holiday season, I, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of things that surprised me during my time off. I, I realized that, you know, going into, into your average big box store, the, the level, the, the playing field when it comes to getting deals is so level nowadays that you, could, you don't even have to walk out the door to get a deal unless it's instant gratification that you're looking for. That's what tripped me out. In terms of, you know, just the lackluster Black Friday, I believe that there was a 10% decrease in Black Friday sales this year just because it was it's not even Black Friday, dude. It's Black November. As soon as November 1st hit, it's like deal after deal after deal after deal after deal. Doesn't even matter anymore. Hell, weren't we joking about it before we went on break about the Target buy two, get one free, and it was dropping that Sunday before, after the break? basically and and that's what i'm saying like it like like bro, like black friday is becoming something that even though it's mind-boggling the the videos that were shown of people just attacking each other and beating each other senseless i've realized that if you're going out there doing dumb shit like that it's not because you want to fight for some deal it's just because you're an asshole cuz that tv exactly. that you that that tv so that you're buying for you 50 bucks you could either get it from home or the TV that you're picking up is, is some some no-name brand. Being honest, like I said, the bulk of my purchases were Blu-rays. Like, I knew, you know, my wife said to me, she goes, don't buy any movies in November because they'll probably all drop, drop for Black Friday. And, and I was, and I was, you know, I was, it was tempting to, to buy certain titles, especially because much like you, you know, as soon as Tuesday roll around, you know, you run and you go into Best Buy or whatever to pick up a title. And um, that that we, you know, the, those last couple of weeks in November, I didn't I didn't touch it. Like I didn't buy Jurassic World. I didn't buy Southpaw. I didn't buy a lot of shit. And sure enough, all of it was on sale. I bought Jurassic World for yeah, ten bucks. Jurassic World was like eight dollars. Yep, eight bucks in some places, ten bucks in another. I think I picked it up for ten bucks in in Best Buy. And I picked up Southpaw for $10 in Target. Uh, the only thing I didn't see really being dropped in price, which was weird to me, were the Marvel Blu-rays. So if any of you guys that were missing key titles, you guys didn't you guys didn't fare so well. Yeah, and that's because it'll probably be that week after Christmas and it'll all be down. Yep. Well, also, they didn't want to, um, you know, hurt anybody trying to be pick up anything in order, obviously, with Ant-Man dropping this week you know you you kind of need to pick up certain films to to, have to tie it all together unless of course you feel like balling out and buying the big phase two box set which uh you guys will be seeing in our gift guide very soon i would get it but it's like first of all first and foremost i already have all the movies in it yep and secondly it's like it's just it's really beating you in the head in the pocket oh yeah but you know what's funny when they dropped and, and i ki- i kicked myself in the ass when they dropped the uh the the phase one box set in price they had like a crazy deal on amazon i was like damn i could really use the suitcase and the tesseract you know because i'm a sucker for shit like that sometimes and then i'm like eh, i can't do it and i'm like and i own all the fucking movies but you know i digress uh go shifting back to what we were talking about i did i did want to ask you know you you covered the game awards with danny i saw a lot of i not even surprises, but just stuff that I expected. 
Um, what were your overall thoughts on the Game Awards? Me personally, I mean, I felt that they were definitely substantially better than the stuff that Spike TV used to do. Um, I felt that Spike TV's awards were, you know, it was basically a bro fest. Uh, I think Jeff Keighley and his crew have done a good job with these video game awards. I think they definitely have more of a of a genuine feel to them. I mean, it still has its fair share of, of fuckery and tomfoolery, but I don't. I didn't think it was it was super brotacular like, like it was on on Spike TV. Danny says that she felt it was boring. It was boring, and <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking um, she was making fun of just like people. Was, even even after watching, the people would feel like, "Who the hell are churches?" <laughs> but. Um, and then dead mouth at the end, trying to hypnotize everybody. Trying to hypnotize the them to make them shit. It was good. Was boring. What happened? I said trying to hypnotize everybody to make it seem like the entire experience was enjoyable. <laughs> the thing is, to me, all award shows are boring. I, I only watched it because you know I wanted to see who won. This was something that I actually give a crap about. Like, right? No, I understand stuff like that. Couldn't care less. But um, in watching the show. It definitely is better than when it was on Spike because Spike basically was just pandering to whoever threw money at them. Yeah, I I have to admit it. It's true. I don't care. I don't care how many people love the game series and buy it every year. Even the people that love it are going to agree that Call of Duty does not win Game of the Year. I'm sorry, it doesn't. You know what the problem is? And um, before before you continue, here here's the thing with that Call of Duty. Much like so many other games, it's like when you're when you're playing games like that or you're seeing games like that in progress, even though they're they're exciting games and they're enjoyable games, they're not really innovating the the medium. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, it's Call of Duty, but it's not it's not moving the medium forward. Like The Witcher was a game that snuck up on everybody, looked amazing was incredibly enjoyable and satisfying to many gamers and it was it was well deserved. I'm not saying that Call of Duty isn't a game that, you know, is doing something for the industry. It is in in its own way, but it's not it's not advancing anything, you know? Absolutely not. Like that's the but, shit that um, gets me. What I wanted to say like I wanted to give props to Jeff Keighley for first and foremost for the whole thing of him blowing up Konami for not letting Kojima come to the awards. Yeah. That, that, to me, was awesome right there. The fact that he did that is probably going to cause him some issues right. going forward, but he's like, fuck it. Because it's like you have this game that's basically the brainchild of this one man winning awards, and you don't even let him go to the awards show. Yep. The other thing was the whole thing was um, the tribute to Awadasan. That was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that and, was that um, was really nice. Like we we all make fun of um of Reggie, but you know Reggie standing there keeping the robot face on and not shedding a tear or anything. That that was that something I could have done. Oh yeah, that was that stuff was very moving and very touching. But like like you know it, it's good you mentioned what happened with Hideo Kojima. I felt that that was just in poor taste. I think that regardless of the way that your relationship ended, this is a guy that made you money. It goes back to something, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, when guys leave WWE and sometimes they leave on good terms or bad terms, 
and they come back and you're probably like, damn, that guy left in a ball of fire. How the hell is he back? And it's like, well, because Vince makes money with that guy. Same thing. It's like, how are you, how are you going to look at Hideo Kojima and not look at him and see a fucking dollar sign with glasses on? You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's true. It's like, oh, Konami looks at him and should have seen, regardless of the relationship, this fucking guy made us a ton of money and they should have respected him enough that whether the relationship ended amicably, non-amicably, ball of fire, gunfight, whatever the case may be, it's like, yo, you got to respect the man's accomplishments and achievements and let him get his moment to shine. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. Because it wasn't just like they told him, we, you know, it'd be better if you don't go to the show. Like, they legally threatened him about going to the show. So, you know, it is what it is. Yep. But um, I feel like considering the show, like, between the the little previews they did before the show and everything, and the show being, I think, two and a half or, or two hours long. Right. They wasted a lot of time talking to people that nobody cares about, like fucking Cliffy B, asking what he thinks about Star Wars Battlefront, when they could have been actually presenting more awards. Because one thing that's always pissed me off about that award show is when they tell you, such and such game also won this award. Who the fuck were the nominees? Yep. Don't just tell me a game won an award. I agree. And, like, you don't tell me the, the, the nominees. The nominees for game you haven't heard of are, and then it's like, but this was the winner. Exactly. It is pretty crazy, dude. I see Dark Helmet is visiting us. um, The the PlayStation experience was, here's the funny thing. I thought they were like, they were really, really like on all cylinders. Right. Then they they did the PlayStation VR part, and I was like, (laughs) it's you know how you're screaming and you got your hands up when you're going down that, that giant slope on a roller coaster? Yes. And how it's like on the way up to that to that slope, you know, that long climb, people are looking at their watches and picking their noses. It's like it's like the roller coaster went backwards. They, the the whole the whole show from the beginning was that whole drop because you know, they started off with things like Final Fantasy. Before all the bullshit news and everything, everybody was crazy to see the, the the gameplay of Final Fantasy and everything. And then it came to the VR, and I think it was Ubisoft that showed this game with following eagles and shit. Yeah, I think so. And I think I it was like, them. This looks like a really boring tech demo. <laughs> and I, I really... Actually, I don't hate to say that because Ubisoft pissed me off a lot, even though they make a lot of great games. Right. But it's like, I'm, I'm losing the name right now, but there was that game that, that we, we did the, we showed the trailer for a couple of weeks back with the um, the experience of being a baby dinosaur having just been born. You literally sit there for the whole damn thing <laughs> as things walk by, and that was more exciting to me. Especially when the the the, t- the the parent T-Rex came up in your face. That was more exciting than watching a bunch of fucking eagles fly by. You know but what? then they had Rez. Right. And, you know, everybody went insane. It was, it was weird to me. I mean, I, I watched a lot of the trailers afterwards. I got home fairly late, but um, I watched a lot of them. Uh, you know, Street Fighter V, I was excited because Street Fighter V. Why the fuck wouldn't I be? You know, I, King I was of Fighters 14. I, oh, yeah. King of Fighters 14, you know, slight chubby 
when that happened. Um, I was like, yeah, this is ready, willing, and able to get its ass whooped on my TV. Ready. Um, the thing, the thing that gets me looking at, at this experience, at the PlayStation experience is, and, and again, people, you're, you're welcome to interpret this as you will, but the, the swallowing of the corporate load by the media. I hate to say it, but so many people talking about so much quote unquote revolutionary shit. And I'm like, it's real pretty stuff that you're not playing. Right. Super enjoyable. It's like looking at a really awesome trailer for a movie that blows you away and then you get to the theater and the movie sucks. Same type of deal. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's like, no, no. Like Street Fighter V, it could play like shit. It could not play like shit. But the overall message is the same. Six buttons and you punch people in the face. It's either going to look really good when you're doing it or it's not. You get what I'm saying? King of Fighters. You yeah. take a, a team of three guys, one which may look ambiguous, you know, and am, may may border on slightly feminine features. One guy who's ultra masculine, and one guy who has control of fire, lightning, water, hail, raindrops, sunflower seeds, whatever the case may be. And then you fight three other guys who are the complete polar opposites, and you hope for the best. That's it. So when you play it, you're like, right. you know what I mean. Like you're hoping for the best. So there's there's an expectation. You know what you're getting. But Final Fantasy and and I and I was I was elated when you took Square to task for what they're doing with it, making it, you know, an episodic series, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. Everybody that went on social media and automatically was like, Yeah, man, but but we're getting a new game and it's like at sixty dollars a clip. Like there's no there's no genuine reason why anybody should co-sign this type of stuff and again episodic non-episodic whatever the case may be we have to realize that it's always and i've said it a this is a proving ground this is a test in other words here's this game that everybody's been dying to see remade oh how can we get the most out of this game well let's do it in episodes and people won't like it i bet you they will you know what I mean? Like, that's that's how it goes. Now, don't get me wrong. If each chapter is, let's say, $15 or $10, negligible. But you and I both fucking know, based on that demo and that video preview that we saw, those games will be full price. Exactly. And the if, people... they were, if they did it like, like Telltale Games, right. I'd still be pissed that it's episodic. But at least, it, like you said, it's like fifteen bucks each, right? And no, even and it's even still, be fucking sixty dollars each. And here's the thing: if the game, if you had six chapters at ten dollars a chapter, you just paid the price for a full game. That's all. You know what I mean? Like it's still, it's still not terrible. But you and I both know that we're not looking at a twenty dollar game, a twenty dollar per chapter game. It is impossible because of the amount of creativity and the devs that got to be paid. Not happening. And that's fine. But you know what it is? Do not go out there and jump on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. And, ah, it's so fucking revolutionary. Because you are looking at it with fucking blinders on. It's the same thing that you and I have spoke about when it comes to $50 season passes. It's the same shit. Hey, we're going to try it out. Eh, Nobody's going to buy it. I bet you they will. 
And this is how they get around it. Yep. Because let's say they put out Final Fantasy VII Remake and say they're going to do it episodic, and then they do a $50 season pass. Yep. And they say, like, it'll cover all the other episodes. People can say, fuck you, I'm not buying the season pass. But if you actually don't release the games and put out the other episodes and, you know, excuse me, they're $60 each, people are going to buy it. This is, this is, and, 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 and that's the ultimate thing when they say that people aren't going to like it. They're like, you know what? They're not going to like it, but they're still going to fucking buy it. And that's the it. never get together and complain. Bingo. See, we're looking at it, and, and before anybody automatically says, oh, you know, Rich is being fucking jaded, you know, being negative. Why can't he just be happy the game is being made? Listen, I was fucking happy. I marked out hard. I was like, yo, this is dope. I love this. This is great. But as soon as I got the press release from Square, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll admit it, you know, I got the press release. I read it and I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And as soon as I sent it to you, I knew what, I knew where it was going. I knew. I knew, I knew, I knew exactly how you were gonna feel. And it was the same thing. Listen, I love all this shit as much as anyone else. I really do. It's like Street Fighter. They're like, hey, you can buy the season pass and get the other characters, or you can grind through the game and unlock them on your own. You see, there's 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 a possibility there where you have well, let me let me rephrase that. You have in this case freedom of choice. You either bust your ass and unlock the characters the hard way, or you don't. You see what I'm saying? Totally different. These are gonna be complete games that they're gonna crank out at X amount of money per game that will, in theory, three years from now, two years from now, hell, maybe even a year later, be released as a complete set like they did with The Walking Dead, remember? Yeah. And that's when I'll be buying the fucking game. How about that? It's like, I, I broke it down like this. Depending upon whether you can have the PlayStation version or the PC version, Final Fantasy VII was about three or four discs. And I yep. guess this is part of their rationale of releasing in an episode. But the thing is, back then, the medium for, for games was a CD, which topped out at about 700 megabytes of information. Correct. So let's say it's four discs. That's 2.8 gigabytes. Right. Your average game disc right now could hold all of Final Fantasy VII in its original version 10 times over and still have plenty of space. Because they're about fifty gigs. I got. I gotta. I gotta so, just. I gotta stop you right there, real quick, to just say, pre-order now to unlock the original blocky-looking Final Fantasy Seven. Oh no, they're not going <laughs> to do that because they fucking on will. PlayStation Four Store right now for fifteen ninety nine. I understand that, but that'll be. It's on there for fifteen ninety nine. But again, cheap. <laughs> They'll conveniently take the game off. And then unlock the game now for nine ninety nine with your pre order. You know it's gonna happen, dude. Because that that's just how shit is, and people are gonna think, "Oh, I got a game," and then I got the game for free. No, you didn't. It's been there. It's been out. You just chose not to buy it. And this whole thing with the, the episodic, I don't. Let me not say crap. Let me, let me try to be a little bit positive. But right, this whole episodic thing. I played as much of Final Fantasy VII as I could. I did as many of the quests as I could without getting my ass ripped 
I'll admit I did not beat Emerald Weapon because I got my ass beat into the ground. There was way too much quote-unquote Batman prep that needed to be done to beat Emerald Weapon. Right. And anybody who's ever done it knows that that's a fact. But um, with what I did, I, I think I beat at least two or three of the weapons. I did the, I got the Golden Chocobo. I did a lot of the other side quests. I got like Knights of the Round and stuff like that. I logged in probably over a hundred hours of gameplay time in that. Right. You, you can't tell me that they, they, that it's necessary to add to that. Right. When you have a game, most games today that they charge $60 for, you'll be lucky if you get 20 hours of gameplay out of it. Right. And that's what I'm saying. There's, it's... Nothing, there's nothing that you can possibly say to make anybody who played the original game believe that this is anything more than a cash grab. And, and that's the problem. My concern is exactly what I said before. It's that people, they, they, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're not giving it a chance and blah, blah, blah. And they're really, they're really giving us something special. They're giving us something unique. No, they're giving us something that's an automatic buy-in. That's all it is. And that's fine. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm all for making money and, 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 and being part of the machine. But to follow it so blindly and not pay attention to what's being done is a disservice to other gamers. Because us as, quote unquote, the gaming media, and I, and I really am not using that, la- that label uh, judiciously. I'm not. I'm just using it for the sake of this, my point. <laughs> The fact is that your job as a quote-unquote independent outlet is to honestly tell people certain things that they may not be aware of. You're supposed to be the voice of, of, of the of the guy in the know. You know, you're you're the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Yeah, the magic is wonderful, but there's more to it. And unfortunately, it's not the case. You know, too many too many of of the proverbial gaming media proverbial gaming media have jumped on board and they're like oh this is great everybody's you know not giving it a chance and blah 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 it's like i don't have a problem not giving it a chance i just am allergic to bullshit that's it yeah and as much as i i hate to call people out in this case i i will because you know we have a uh you know a working relationship you know i i, I listened to a lot of what hip-hop gamer said the other day Right, and I'm not gonna bash him because unlike the people that call him the Sony Pony, I know that when he says something, he actually believes it, and he is a proponent of this this you know breaking down of the game. Now I'd love to sit down and and talk with him and you know you know throw all of our ideas at each other, but it's like like I said, there, there, there's nothing nothing that. Square Enix could ever tell me to make me believe that this is anything more than a cash grab. The only way that I would buy this, and I don't mean go out to the store and buy it, I mean believe it, that this is something that is worthwhile, would be if Episode 1 was the full Final Fantasy VII game. Right. Remade however they want to make it with yep. whatever new battle system they're going to do. The full original game. Episode 2 is like, you know, like... um what do you call it? The crisis Advent core, Children. Right, or, Crisis Core. Yeah, whatever they want to do like that. Right. If it turns out that way, then yes, I'm 100% behind it. If Episode 1 is the full original Final Fantasy 7, right. I don't care if they make 10 episodes. Right. Because, because 
in episode one, I got what I wanted. Yep. It's now up to me if I want to buy the rest. Right, and it's a complete experience. I feel that they're going to, it's going to be like, you know, you're going to beat this uh, this portion and the screen's going to fade to black and then be like, find out what happens next in chapter two. And then you're just going to yeah, be like, episode oh, you can... one, Episode one is going to be Midgar. Exactly. It's going to be inside the, the city. Yep. It's going to be everything in the city. Episode two will be just when you first get out of freaking Midgar. Episode three will be all the error stuff. <laughs> yeah, reviving her if, if, that, if they're going to even let you do that. Exactly. So... It, you know, I really wanted to dedicate some time to that because that was that was not only a big part of the piece, but it was something that a lot of people were excited for, but they were excited without looking past the obvious. And by all means, if anybody feels that I misrepresented that argument, by all means, feel free to reach out and, you know, you're welcome to come and say your piece. But I felt that people were so blinded by graphics and pretty pictures that they didn't realize that they're getting beat over the head. In a, in a in a chapter in a chapter setting, and again, this sets a precedent for other companies to do that. Hey, we're just going to give you chapter one, and maybe chapter one will be fourteen hours of gameplay, and it'll be thirty bucks. Still, not everybody was blinded by graphics, though, because a lot of people complained even before the whole episodic announcement. They complained at the battle system they saw because they complained about having a real-time battle system like Final Fantasy 13 and 15 have. And I'm like, what would you really expect? Exactly. And that's what, and I looked at that when I, mean, I, I looked at that argument. In 2016, you really expect the, the active-time battle system of the original Final Fantasy 7? No. Nope. I wouldn't want to see that. Dude, nothing I hated more than I'm walking through like a forest in Final Fantasy 7 and all of a sudden just the music fucking changes and... You go to the little battle and you're fighting like a cricket with, with, with the face of a cat or some shit. And I'm just like, uh, can I just walk through this field minding my own fucking business? Well, in the, in the new, <laughs> the new old release that you can get on PS4 right now, you can turn off encounters. I'm like, what? I didn't mind the encounters back then because, again, this is back then. But an active battle system is the evolution of the game. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to want to sit there and wait. And then, you know, you go, then I go, then you go, then I go, then you go, then I go, then you go, then I go. No, no one cares. I mean, I never played the Final Fantasy 15 demo because the um, whatever the hell the long ass title of that other game is, I wasn't really interested in playing that. But I saw the, the, you know, saw people play it. And when that behemoth ran out from behind that building and you just start fighting it without any kind of transition, I thought that was awesome. Right. I agree. I definitely I definitely think it was that's it was how, dope. That's how I want to play Final Fantasy. I'm with you, brother. I am definitely with you. So I, I did want to switch gears and go through some of the gaming news of the week just for the, the sake of keeping things uh, short and sweet. Um, Dark Souls 3 got a release date april 12th 2016 a game that i have seen break the spirit of countless gamers is getting its third installment in 2016 on playstation 4 xbox one and steam uh you're gonna get there's a gonna be a day one edition of course which comes with the game uh prima starter guide the soundtrack and a special packaging then of course because why wouldn't they uh 129 collector's edition which is going to come with the game starter guide soundtrack 
art book, uh, cloth game map, 10-inch Red Knight statue, and collector's box. So there you have it. You know what's funny to me about the Soul Series? (laughs) Go ahead, brother. What's funny to me about the Soul Series is how it's very oddly polarizing. Yep. Me, I love the game. The reason why I don't play it is because I'm terrible at it. Right. I can play it. I can actually, you know, whoop ass. But once, like, the, the big the big bads come out, I get stomped fucking flat. I still, like, I will never say anything bad about Demon Souls or Dark Souls or Bloodborne. I think they're fantastic games. Then you got people who play other games that I also play, games that I consider, by comparison to the Soul series, to be child's play, games that I beat the crap out of left and right. Right. And they suck at these games. Get them, and then they play Dark Souls and they fucking platinum it. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Well, you know what it is? And it's it's weird you say that because it's like and and here's here's a here's a great example. Um cooking. I'm gonna I'm gonna use cooking in this case and I'm gonna give you guys a glimpse of my life off air. Uh my mom taught both my brother excellent cook, you guys. Yeah. My mom thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Um my mom taught my brother and I to cook at the same time. Same time, completely same time. And both of us learned all the same dishes, all the same stuff at the same time. My brother is uh, a little, uh, uh, a substantial amount older than me to not put his business out there. And um, his cooking in 2015 is terrible, terrible, ladies and gents, bad. Not not abysmal, not abysmal to the point where you can't eat it, but bad to the point where you say to yourself, how the fuck do you get that wrong? Again, learning at the same time, at the same pace, with the same teacher. Same rules apply. It's like some shit you're just you're just not good at. And some you just take to like, you know, like, like, like a fish in water. That's that's how it goes. It, it's it's such a weird thing. But I've seen that. I mean. You know, uh, a buddy of mine was, you know, told me about the 10,000 hour rule. And, you know, it was it's funny because it's like you can be uh, you can be good at anything if you if you repeat it, you know, if if, it, if you if there's repetition for 10,000 hours, anything, anything. And in our case, I continued to improve, fine tune and and, you know, make make my cooking better. My brother just chose to remain with what he had. So through repetition and and constant cooking, I got better. You know, he didn't because he didn't do it as frequent. And this goes back to what I'm but saying. You didn't have the passion, and maybe I don't have the passion for right. For and and that's exactly it. That that's that's you you beat me to the to the punch. It's exactly that. You know, like you're playing the game because it's like, yo, everybody's talking about it. What's the big fucking deal? And then you're playing, and you're like, all right, it's kind of cool, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not bringing you that reaction that it may be bringing to other people. Like, yo, this game's fucking crazy. Yo, I got killed by a four, by a four-eyed kraken. You know, like, all right, cool. But the thing is, honestly, like I said, maybe I don't, but I feel like I do have the passion. Like, I purchased Demon Souls before pretty much anybody else I know got Demon Souls. Right, and. I started it, you know, of course, just like anybody else that was first playing that game, the rats whooped my ass. I, I died, like, a few steps into the game, but then I started kicking some ass, 
Then I got to a certain point and I just could not move past it because I just kept getting killed by the same thing no matter what I tried. Right. So I said, you know what, I'm going to put this down because I'll either put this down or I'm going to strangle someone. And it's like, then we go back to the good old-fashioned Grand Theft Auto V. I've platinum that game twice on <laughs> PS3 and PS4. Jesus. And then there's people that I know, again, not saying any names, there's people that I know that, by comparison, to put it gently, um, not so good at the game. Dude, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. When play together, they're okay. But then these same people have platinum fucking Dark Souls 1 and 2 and Bloodborne. I'm like, that game is substantially harder than Grand Theft Auto. Right. What the fuck is going on? But it's exactly what I said. You know, it's it's the 10,000-hour rule. It's, it's, you know, the people that have played these games like Bloodborne, um, you know, Dark Souls, all these games, what ends up happening is that they play them and they keep playing them and keep playing them and keep playing them and keep playing them and or either they're playing games that are similar to that and it, it, there's carryover you get what i'm saying like think about what you just said you were playing dark souls you put it down you didn't go and start playing another rpg maybe you turned on gta skill level is different there's no carryover you get what i'm saying yeah but for those of you that have been chomping at the bit you're not you're not going to wait have to wait too long because in April you'll have an opportunity to enjoy Dark Souls on all, on on the platform of your choice. In some other gaming release news, and and this you're gonna say, really, it's coming out now. Like this is a game I assumed would have been on this co- this console, but it has not. Uh, coming soon, reported that Mojang will be releasing Minecraft on the Wii U. <laughs> exactly, December seventeenth. And in addition to that, it will include several add-on content packs. It'll be available on the eShop for $29.99. And um, the gamers gamers obviously will be able to use the Wii U GamePad controller. It comes with the following add-on content. Battle and Beast skin pack. Uh, Battle and Beast 2 skin pack. The Natural Texture pack. City Texture pack. Fantasy Texture pack. And the Festive Mashup pack. In addition, there will be 16 other add-on packs available for purchase on the Nintendo eShop, including the Festive Skin Pack, uh, the, C- the Simpsons, Doctor Who Skins 1 and 2, Star Wars Classic, Rebels and Prequel Skin Packs, Mass Effect, Skyrim, uh, the Plastic Texture Pack, the Candy Texture Pack, Cartoon, Steampunk, and Pattern Texture Packs, and Greek Mythology on Halloween 2015 Mashup Packs couple of things first of all it's fucking insane that a game like minecraft which is tailor-made for the wii u is only coming out now that's the first thing the second thing is that the the people that have played minecraft on the other systems might be a little annoyed that the wii u gamers are getting so much shit yeah but it's like i said um with rise of the tomb raider Xbox One people are going to be pissed off next year when that comes out for PC and PS4, and any content like this whole Baba Yaga thing is going to wind up being included. Yep, 100%. And the game won't fucking break when you play it like it does on Xbox One right now. Yeah, it's it, it's craziness. It is definitely craziness at its best. I was like, yeah. I mean, I want to play I want to play it. Um, You know, I definitely want to play that, and it, it's one of those things where... 
I, you know, I just have such a backlog of stuff, but the Tomb Raider game looks fucking amazing. Definitely does. No doubt about it. I, I am, I'm in that boat as well. And when I thought about it, especially after what happened with the whole definitive edition, right? it didn't bother me at all that I have to wait a year to play this game over the Xbox One people. Because I'm like, watch what's going to happen. And I said this before the game came out. Either one or two things or both things are going to happen. Either the game's going to be fucked up somehow and it'll be fixed when it comes out on PlayStation. Right. Or there's going to be content that people have to pay for on Xbox One and it'll come with the PlayStation 4 and PC, which they'll probably want to call it the definitive edition. I, I believe so. I believe you're definitely right That's for, with, with regards to that because that's something that we've seen done before. It, it it wouldn't come as a shock that it gets it gets repeated this time. Does that Baba Yaga pack I think comes out in either January or February? Yep. That new experience where she's like tripping and shit. Yep. But the PlayStation and PC version doesn't come out till holiday season 2016. There's no way that Square is going to expect us to fucking pay for that shit. It's going to be in the game. Yep. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that truly is the case. That's for damn sure. Uh, the other thing I did want to add, um, and this goes back to what I was saying before we went off air during the holiday break, um, you know, Just Cause 3 came out. It's a solid game. Check out the review from Slick. Uh, there's definitely a lot of solid games that you you have an opportunity to get deals on well after Black Friday, like we just said, and even to go as far as what Slick said, even after Christmas you're probably going to get a ton of great deals. With that, I do have to say, given given what we've seen so far, is it worth jumping on board any new consoles unless unless a deal is good? And the reason I ask you is because they've done some great deals for the Xbox 1 and you haven't you haven't bit. You haven't bit at all. I also know that it's because there's nothing compelling to get you to jump on board, but do you feel that people are better suited to waiting till after the holidays to really make a, an informed purchase? Or do you think that people can jump on board and just take advantage of the deals? Me personally, la- I took advantage last year and picked up a Wii U because there were games that I wanted. But had I waited after the holidays, I still would have probably picked up a, a, a better catalog of games. But it really wouldn't have made a difference because at the end of the day, the flagship titles were already in existence. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, but to answer your question, no, I don't think it makes any sense to wait. Okay. As long as, as long as, and I, you know, this is with any quote unquote hobby or obsession. Right. <laughs> as long as your bills are paid, if the console has games that you want, and I go back to what you've always said, that I've always agreed with you. I'd say at least five games that you want right. that are out right now or coming out within, I'd say, a month or two. Because if it's going to be next year, you might as well wait for the next sale. Yep. But if it's coming out within a month or two, go get it. Because the price is good right now. Right. You can still, at places like BJ's and maybe even at Best Buy, still score that Black Friday price of getting $50 off the regular price of a console. Right. And, you know, you, you have some good games to play for the holiday season. There are games that, that are going to be fantastic for Xbox One. 
Agreed. And I hate to sound like a dick, but I I I add to that if they ever come out, because one of the things they did show at the Game Awards was fucking Quantum Break. Yep. Which and has been delayed. Been showing that shit since 2013. <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. They they've just been delaying that left and right. It's like, oh my god, his games. It's like, no. I'm like, first of all, time manipulation in games not new at all. Even when they first announced Quantum Break, that wasn't new. So that game would not entice me to get an Xbox One. Crackdown. What they've shown right now is not gameplay. It's a, it was a terrible trailer. Right. I mean, I, I'm interested in that game, and right now, that wouldn't make me buy the, the console. There's nothing on Xbox One that I either can't get for for um, PlayStation 4 or that is currently out that would make me run and buy the console. And honestly, that's the reason why I don't have it, because I, I keep saying it. I would love to feel that I need an Xbox One in my household, but right now I really don't because I turn on my PlayStation 4 every day. It's been now, at this point, I think two years since my Xbox Live Gold um, subscription ran out. Right. My my um, my PlayStation Plus subscription is now through December of 2016 because I, re- I extended that shit in the last week. Right, they had it on sale, right? Did you pick up the one that was on sale? Mm, no, I think it was only only ten bucks off, and when I get it, I don't pay full price for it anyway. So it's like it, it wasn't worth it for me on that, and I, I just picked it up from the store. Gotcha. And um, but it's like I said, I turn on my PlayStation Four, and not to not to watch Blu-rays because I got Blu-rays I need to watch because I haven't. That's the other thing. The one big thing that's pissed me off about the PlayStation Four. This thing is almost two years old now. And I, they just now put out a decent remote control for it. Yep. I don't know if you picked it up, but there's now for twenty nine ninety nine a good Blu-ray remote for the PlayStation Four. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I, um, on the PlayStation Three, I had picked up a, uh, a dongle, which is always a funny word, that allowed me to use my Logitech Harmony remote on my PS Three. Unfortunately, no such thing exists yet for the PS Four with my remote. Uh, same thing with the Xbox One in this instance. So I, I have been deliberating picking up, uh, you know, Blu-ray, you know, home theater controllers for them. It's just annoying, you know, to just still have to deal with the whole two remote thing. You know, it's a big pain in the ass. It, it absolutely is, and I only deal with it because I'm used to it. Right. I, I would, every time I look at the Harmony remote, I see something that somebody who has it has said that, turns me off about it because i know you enjoy it but then they're like it's it's infrared i'm like how do you make a controller in this day and age that doesn't have bluetooth right and i and i and i think some of their more advanced remotes may have it i mean i also have a, a harmony remote that's a legacy remote that i purchased from like sixth avenue electronics and um this was before well, they dude, st- I, I checked even the newest logitech harmony it's still infrared uh so that explains that i mean for for what I use it for for the for the sake of convenience, it's been great. I mean, you know, the harmony I use controls my fan, my air conditioner, my heater, uh, my lights. Well, some lights anyway, um, and some other stuff, and it's great for that. But having to and, and it even controls my 
360 and my PS3, like I said, with the, uh, with the Logitech dongle. But the fact is, I haven't put a Blu-ray in my PS3 in ages, or my 360 for that matter, obviously, because the new systems are filling that void. It's just like I said, you being able to leverage that without needing another fucking accessory is is a pain in the ass. So I do I do agree with you. Yeah, so I, I picked that up and within not just for 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 rage works and reviewing games and stuff, but even if I didn't have any of that, I turn on my PlayStation for every day to to game. I right. haven't put a movie in it in at least a month, which I need to actually do because, like I said. As much as I have a backlog of games, I got a much worse backlog of movies. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. That's for damn sure. But um, just to to wrap things up nice and neat, um, you know, next week we're gonna do our end of year special. Uh, we're gonna talk about you know what we felt were some of the best games of the year, some of the sleeper hits of the year, some of the underrated games of the year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, typical year end bullshit. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to to having you on board next week for that. I think it'll it'll be a fitting way to close out 2015. Absolutely. Anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm good for now, man. All right, brother. I appreciate the assist as always. Uh, I will catch you later. All right. Take care, man. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Of course, follow him on Twitter at RWSlick. Also interact with him on our Facebook fan page and our RageWorks group as well. Uh, both of those... It is, whoops, I always fuck it up. It is RW underscore Slick. Um, Slick, is anybody sitting on RW Slick without the underscore? I'm curious. Is anybody sitting on that? Let me know. Because I, I, I always mess it up and I have it as uh, RW underscore Slick somewhere. So then, yeah, maybe maybe you should just make it un, make it non underscore <laughs> for, my, for my old ass. <laughs> No, just put it together as RW Slick. You don't need the underscore for that. I only do the underscore for Rageworks because there's actually a lady, I, I want to say it's a lady, that has not used Twitter since 2010 that is sitting on Rageworks without an underscore. Drives me nuts. I um I messaged her and I was like, hey, you know, if um if you're not using it, we run this site, we run this brand, blah, blah, blah. Uh, would love to, you know, work something out to use the rageworks name lady hasn't checked it don't even know if i can email her about it but um that, that that's the only reason why we have rage underscore works for for that i also went to use rageworks on instagram uh because they're testing out uh multiple accounts on one and um couldn't find rageworks for some reason so again that's that's one of those things and Slick just informed me that RW Slick is taken. Wow. There you have it. Anyway, follow Slick on Twitter, RW underscore Slick. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. Let us switch gears, jump into this week's entertainment news, and wrap things up. Let's get to it. I wanted to play You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, so bad. But, um, you know, with streaming on YouTube and dealing with fair use and stuff like that, I just didn't didn't want to deal with it. But um, 
of course, during the holiday season, even though the holidays have, have taken a different meaning in my household for a multiple for a, for a multitude of reasons, uh, I still have a soft spot for for Christmas movies, uh, you know, and, and, and usually the the ones that are not the kind of movies you sit down and watch for Christmas. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still watch CBS is, is Rudolph, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer special or a Charlie Brown Christmas once in a while. Um, one of my favorites, the Santa Claus movie with Dudley Moore, uh, which I always end up watching. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, not the remake, but the original. I, I, I always watch. And um, lately I, I've wandered into some of the some of the newer stuff, some of the uh, some of the crazier stuff like Die Hard. Thank you, Dark Helmet. I do watch do watch Die Hard for Christmas quite often. Uh, Bad Santa. Bad Santa definitely gets watched <laughs> quite a bit. Um, and of course, Elf. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys something. When I originally watched Elf, I thought it was fucking stupid. Um, but it's one of those movies that every year it's on, and you watch the beginning, or you watch the middle, or you watch the end, and it just grows on you just because of the sheer stupidity and insanity that that movie was. And um, you know, I end up watching that. So during the break, uh, my wife and I went to see. The night before, and I went to see Krampus on Sunday. I'm working on reviews for that for RageWorks.net. But it was, it's been a long time since I've, number one, gone to see a comedy, an R-rated comedy in the movies, number one. Number two, it's the first time in years that I've gone to see anything Christmas-related in the theater. And um, I think the last time I, I was involved in something Christmas-related was Jingle All the Way with Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the reason I was involved with that film was because I was working in a movie theater in, in Fresh Meadows, Queens, and that movie was pretty much being given every day. And the thing is, it's not a, it wasn't a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but there were so many people in there that, um, that were checking out that movie. I don't know if it was because of Sinbad or because of Arnold, but every weekend, I'd have to go in there, and you know, you clean up the theater and whatever. And it's just you watch the beginning of the movie or the end of the movie, or you go in there and do a theater check. And it's just one of those movies that I said to myself, I don't give a fuck where I am. I am never gonna watch Jingle All the Way. I'm gonna, I, I will make sure to shut off any TV that is playing it or change the channel because I've watched it so many times and it was so bad. But um. Without giving away too much of the of, of the films I saw, I will say that the night before was solid. I will say that without giving too much away. I felt that there were a lot of undertones in that movie that really hit home uh, for me. I, I laughed a lot. I mean, there were there were a lot of silly moments, and um, especially if, if you know you you have friends that kind of play the role of family in your life. There were. There were a lot of good moments there in that film for that, and I and I genuinely did laugh my ass off. And there were some unexpected fucking cameos. I do got to say that um, definitely blew my mind. If you get a chance, um, don't spend the ten bucks to see it. I mean, Christmas is all is around the corner, but um, if you can catch a matinee, give it a shot. You might get a couple of laughs out of the deal. Uh, definitely R-rated comedy at its best. Uh, one of the few times where I didn't want to punch Seth Rogen in the face. Uh, he was he was genuinely amusing, and I'm almost done with the review. I think I'm I should have it done this weekend. Uh, I just want to 
share my thoughts clear and concise. You know, I want to make sure that they're clear and concise when you read the review. Not going to be too wordy and crazy. You know, that's not my style. But um, give it a shot if you can. As for Krampus, Krampus came from the same guys that did Trick or Treat. So if you like Trick or Treat, you def- I definitely would recommend you give Krampus a shot. Um, incredibly, it was incredibly better than I expected for a PG-13 horror movie, which is something that I would never find myself saying because you guys know that I've always said that PG-13 horror movies are usually complete dog shit. This movie had a genuine amount of scares in it. I'm almost certain that we will see an uncut version when it arrives on DVD and Blu-ray, but I really found it to be quite interesting. And they did a good job not only in, in, in utilizing the mythology, but the way that the film played out and the ending was... Uh, the ending was something that you would expect if you've seen Trick or Treat, but it was still cool to see nonetheless. Um, it was funny because... In, and I'm actually talking about both of those movies to go into the box office totals, uh, Krampus did surprisingly well. I'm going to go through the box office totals in reverse. Um, At the number 10 spot, The Secret in Their Eyes took $2 million to bring its total to 17.2. Number 9 was Brooklyn. Number 8 was Spotlight. Number 7 was the Peanuts movie, which earned $3.5 million and brought its grand total to 121. $0.4 million. I believe that my sister was taken to see, uh, was taken to see that today by, by her program. Curious to to find out if she liked it or not. I've heard mixed reviews. Uh, the night before was in the number six slot, earned $4.9 million, bringing its total to $32 million. Uh, Slick says, holy shit, Rich likes a comedy. Um, I know it's a trope of the show that Slick always says that, that I don't like comedies. Um, you know, I, it's not, the, and not, not to go, I've explained this before, not to say that I don't like them. I just, I have a certain expectation when it comes to comedy. And, um, a lot of films just don't deliver it for me personally. Plus, I like a lot of old shit. You know, I, I'm, I'm starting to show my age now, and, and I, I like a lot of old shit. You know, Porky's, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, One Crazy Summer, shit like that. So, you know, that doesn't help my case either, but, in any event, I, I figured I'd, I'd throw that out there. Uh, Spectre was in the number five slot, earning an additional $5.4 million, bringing its grand total to $184.5 million. Uh, the Good Dinosaur was in the number four slot, already approaching $80 million, another hit for Disney. Uh, Creed was number three, $15.5 million, uh, $65 million total. If you want to check out my thoughts on Creed, the review is on RageWorks.net. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know some people are um, were apprehensive for different reasons, but it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Krampus came in in the number two slot, earned $16 million. Um, number one, I, no one should be shocked, uh, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. Earned $18.6 million, bringing its total to $227.1 million. Of course, the box office this weekend is going to be reasonably quiet because we all know that Star Wars is around the corner. It is uh, it is something that 
you you know that the fandom is real. I make you guys laugh. You know the fandom is real when I have a watch face with a countdown for Star Wars. As a matter of fact, there are, and I quote, uh, six days, 23 hours, 26 minutes, and 47 seconds before Star Wars hits theaters next week. So there you have it. Um, like I said, Krampus and the night before, I'm going to have those reviews ready this weekend, but uh, the short version, they were they were definitely enjoyable. Anyway, as I mentioned in the, in the box office report, Creed took the number three slot this past weekend. Uh, the director of the film, Ryan Coogler, of course, has a great relationship with Michael B. Jordan. They work together on Fruitvale Station. And due to the critical acclaim that Creed has received, it looks like people are look uh, like Marvel is scouting Ryan Coogler to possibly direct the Black Panther solo film, which is interesting for a couple of reasons. You know, Coogler burst onto the scene with uh, his work on Fruitvale Station, and um, you know, Creed was was a solid movie. As a matter of fact, I heard Stallone is nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of fanfare at play. With regards to this, uh, curious to see if they pull the trigger and go with him. I think he he did a, a stellar job with Creed, and I think he utilized um, a lot of the stuff from the original Rocky films, but also put a, a, enough of a fresh spin on it to give us something unique, fresh, and engaging. Uh, can he do the same with Black Panther, a character with a with a very storied history? Um, remains to be seen. I definitely think that he would be a solid choice, if anyone, to helm the project. But as of right now, that is where the rumor mill is leaning. Uh, We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Of course, if I hear anything, I will let you guys know either on the site or on air. In some comic news, it looks like Supergirl is going to continue to get more of Superman's rogues gallery showing up on her show. Um, Italia Ricci will be will be joining the show as Silver Banshee. Now, many of you may recognize that character as a villain in in a, in a fairly decent amount of Superman comics, but it looks like she will be mixing it up with the Girl of Steel uh, very soon. Uh, she will start off as a work nemesis for Supergirl at Catco, and of course, will lead to her at some point becoming Silver Banshee, much like they did with Livewire who many of you may know from the Superman series, who appeared in Supergirl as well. Uh, Supergirl, of course, airs every Monday at 8 p.m. on CBS. Uh, Once I get more information or some screenshots of what Silver Banshee is going to look like, I will share it either on our Facebook fan page or on the site. On the Marvel side of things, it looks like the Iron Fist project is moving forward. Uh, ComingSoon.net reported that Scott Buck will be the showrunner for Marvel's Iron Fist when it airs on Netflix. Uh, if you've heard the name Scott Buck before, you're probably familiar with his work on Six Feet Under and Rome, for which he was all, and he was also the four, the showrunner for the final four seasons of Dexter. Which, if you're a hardcore Dexter fan, you may look at that as not necessarily a good thing. But this news shows that Marvel is genuinely invested in bringing Iron Fist to Netflix screen. A lot of people were were saying, including myself, that there was a possibility that Iron Fist was going to be shelved in favor of giving us a 
uh, Netflix adaptation of The Punisher, who you will be seeing in the second season of Daredevil. Turns out that is not the case, and we will be moving forward with an Iron Fist Netflix series. In some what-the-fuck news, and we haven't talked about this in a while, uh, it all, all signs pointed earlier this month to Fox pulling off a Rambo spinoff series, uh, which was going to have John Rambo's son, and Stallone would have been involved as John Rambo. Well, that rumor was slightly right and 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 slightly not. Um, it looks like they will be moving forward with the series, but there will not be any involvement with Sylvester Stallone. Um, it looks like the series will focus on Rambo's son, but will not have any involvement from the iconic uh, Sly Stallone, who, of course, delivered four solid movies as John Rambo. The first, of course, being one of the best, and the last one being a very violent, over-the-top affair, which was surprisingly good. It looks like we will be getting some sort of a small screen version of of Rambo, but I just feel that without Stallone's involvement, it's it's just going to be a typical, you know, action heavy show. I mean, he might be Rambo in name, but the endorsement of Sylvester Stallone or even Stallone's involvement would have been key for that project to be accepted willingly by anyone. And the fact that he has not only you know opted to not be involved, but you know, he just said I wish you guys luck. Um, shows that Stallone definitely is not looking to revisit John Rambo on the small screen. So there you have it. This next bit of news makes me really, really pumped. Um, Big fan of this director, big fan of these movies. Um, It looks like Quentin Tarantino has not fully, fully embraced um, not doing Kill Bill Volume 3. It appears that Uh, during an interview recently for press for the hateful eight he said that it's definitely a possibility stop short of seeing a probability um he said that you know he wanted to make sure that the young girl who played vernita green's daughter in the first film was old enough to to be involved in this new film but it is looking like we will be seeing volume three of kill bill now me personally while i'm excited for that I really would love to see a remastered bloody affair version of Kill Bill. I've gone to great lengths to acquire the Japanese version, which um, takes the scene in in the first film that went black and white and leaves it completely in color, plus does not remove certain elements that were a little too violent for the original version of the film. I really would love to see the whole bloody affair remastered with both films together in one volume and i'm hoping that with the development of a possible kill bill volume three we will get an opportunity to see that if you do want to check out the um the first film you're probably going to have to either look for it through ulterior you know alternative methods or import it to see the whole you know the bloody affair for the first film but it's definitely worth picking up it's it's tremendous as a kill bill fan I'm excited about Volume 3, but I really would be more excited to see Volume 1 and 2 remastered and with all the uncut footage. So we'll see what happens. Of course, any new developments, keep it locked here to MTR for that. Now, the next bit of news I want to talk about, and this 
you know, it, it was crazy because I mentioned this about three months ago, and now it looks like they are going full steam ahead with it. It looks like we are going to start seeing some prequel Hunger Games films now that the series has come to a close, uh, particularly because they want to showcase all of the other Hunger Games and all of the arenas. So the possibility of spinoffs and prequels definitely do exist, and it looks like they will be moving forward with that. Um, I think that the Hunger Games films, the, the, the films have ran, ran their course, and while they did make a ton of money, I don't feel that prequels and sequels are a worthy way of, of keeping the series alive. Just leave it alone. If the author decide, decides to write a new book or tell a new story, then by all means, that's, that's fine. You know, you can go that route. But out of respect for the medium and the story that was told, I would leave it alone. Obviously, that is not going to be the case. But spinoffs and prequels of The Hunger Games are imminent. <sighs> a couple of months ago, I talked to you guys about the possibility of Universal launching their own cinematic universe with their iconic horror movie monsters. Many of us originally heard and felt that Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman was going to be the step in that direction. Since the film was complete dog shit and it tanked, um, the prospect of that was shelved. But now, with everybody creating a cinematic universe for everything, it looks like Universal is revisiting that and is looking to reboot the Mummy series, but will not be doing it the way it was done in the old days with Brendan Fraser, uh, brand new reboot, possibly going with a female mummy. They're looking at Sophia Butella, who was in the Kingsman to play the role. And it's looking like possibly Tom Cruise will be the lead with a modern, with a mummy film taking place in the modern era. Not sure how I feel about it. I'm also concerned, concerned about trying to establish a quote unquote movie monster cinematic universe. I know that, it, while it sounds cool on paper, execution is key here. And the mummy, the mummy movies, while they were fun and enjoyable back then, I don't think that you're going to be able to keep people locked in for three films or or even one film, considering that you can only do so much with the story. Again, Tom Cruise is is a strong box office draw, but I think that something like this, like the Mummy, it's 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 a very very risky gamble. I'm not going to say it's going to suck because it's, you know, it's too early to tell obviously, but I think that the the necessity to establish these cinematic universes is is just really a glorified cash grab and to some extent it's not going to work for everything. Like I understand for Transformers or Marvel or DC because these are large universes full of 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 incredible stories uh that you can tell across multiple films. Um but I, I just don't think that that's necessary for 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 Universal and their horror movie, uh, their monster movie franchises. I just don't think it's necessary. You know, uh, Dark Helmet says Tom Cruise in the Mummy. What's he gonna run away from in this one? I say giant scorpions and sandstorms. Definitely two things that'll make Tom Cruise run away. That's for damn sure. Uh, speaking of Tom Cruise, they um, they are moving forward with Mission Impossible Six. And it looks like Rebecca Ferguson, who everyone fell in love with in the last film, will be coming back to reprise her role as Ilsa. 
Now, the funny thing is that she is the first lead actress in franchise history to return. Uh, Paula Patton and Thandi Newton were one and done actresses in the series. And uh, Michelle Monaghan was relegated to a brief cameo in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And that's pretty much it. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character definitely was one of the high points of the film. So to see her involved in the sixth installment is not a shocker to me. Now, the thing about the Mission Impossible series is that they've they've improved and they've they, they've got better over the last couple of films. Do do we need a sixth one? Not really. But, you know, they're going to go through crazy locales and wild stunt sequences and Tom Cruise doing crazy shit. So, I mean, it's worth checking out. But is it necessary? Absolutely not. So we're going to wrap things up with two uh, comic news items. First one, um, it appears that we may be seeing Will Smith, Will Smith's dead shot in the upcoming solo Batman film with Ben Affleck, a Latino review, um, published that rumor. And then a couple of other sites ran away with it, uh, saying that Will Smith was going to be involved and he's going to be a pretty big part of the, of the cinematic universe going forward. I'm curious to see Will Smith mix it up with uh, ben Affleck's Batman. I think it would be interesting, but I don't think that Will Smith's Deadshot has the chops to carry an entire film on his own. Then again, you know we've seen characters that that come out of nowhere and carry an entire film as the villain and do do a pretty solid job. I mean, even even in the first Iron Man, Obadiah Stane's Ironmonger, um, even though Stane was was a uh, a, a typical villain. He was a solid villain for a first installment. I think that if you're going to include Deadshot, he should be included with someone else. I if if it were if it were my choice, I'd like to see maybe Black Mask and have Deadshot be a guy that works for Black Mask. I think that would tell a unique story. Plus, the Black Mask character would translate well to the film to the big screen. Uh, going with the usual Joker Riddler. I mean, it's the easy way out because those are characters that have been done before. But I think, you know, since we're doing something fresh and new and different, you may want to dig a little deeper into Batman's rogues gallery because he does have a lot of solid villains that are capable of of really making themselves, uh, you know, a big part of the of the cinematic universe. And I think if I had to go with anyone for a first film, I would go with Black Mask, especially if you played uh, the Batman Arkham series where he actually hired assassins to kill Batman. And, um, you know, you had Deathstroke, Deadshot, and, and a couple of others involved. I think that would translate well to the big screen, and I would definitely check it out. Uh, Will Smith, of course, being uh, the one that's been rumored to carry over to the Batman film, but I'm sure in the coming weeks we'll start hearing a little bit more about those developments as well. Now, on the Marvel side of things, it looks like Kate Blanchett is being uh, courted by Marvel to join Thor Ragnarok. Uh, while we don't know which female lead she is being courted for, a lot of people are saying that she may be playing the Enchantress. Um, I, th- I think Kate Blanchett is, is, is a solid actress and would work for that. But I think that for a character like Enchantress, you want to go maybe a little younger. Uh, only because if you want to have her involved in some of the more physical stuff, I think it would just be better in regards to that. But in terms of just overall screen presence, I think Blanchett is a solid, you know, is a solid pick. 
Uh, as of right now, it has not been confirmed. Not only has she, you know, it hasn't been confirmed if she's signing on to the on board, you know, but if she's being courted for that character. But if I hear anything, of course, I will share it with you guys. All right. So with that, that is going to wrap up the entertainment news for this week. And it's also going to wrap up the show as well. So with that, I've given you guys my take on this week's gaming and entertainment news. As always, I would love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media, uh, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks, uh, Rage underscore works on Twitter. You can also hit us up on Snapchat, RageWorks on Snapchat. And if you're an Instagram user, RageWorks underscore Rich as well. We also have a presence on Google Plus and Pinterest. So if you use those mediums, follow us there as well. Last but not least, if you enjoyed tonight's show or didn't get to finish it or want to rewatch it, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can rewatch it on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rage Works. You can also catch audio versions of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and hopefully Google Music in 2016. And of course, you can check all of that out on RageWorks.net with both audio and video versions of these of the shows for this week. Last but not least, as always, if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, hit us up on the site on RageWorks.net via the contact form or email me directly, mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com or rich at RageWorks.net, whichever you prefer. And um, let us know what you're looking for, and we will try our best to accommodate you. Join us next week for our year-end wrap-up shows. On Wednesday night, we're going to be doing our MMA and wrestling wrap-up show. And Thursday night, we will be doing our MMA, uh, excuse me, our gaming and entertainment wrap-up show. And those will be our final shows for 2015. Mark it down on your calendars. We will be back on January 13th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR and RageWorks family, thank you guys for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week. Peace. That's all, folks.